Well, another week, another pair of wins for the College of Charleston Cougars. This is episode nine of the Holy City Hoops podcast. Once again, we get to open the show with some good news. Your Cougars remain in first place, 10-2 and two on the season, the first CAA team to reach 10 wins. A pair of fantastic road wins this past week. Charleston goes to Richmond. I was there for this game at VCU, pick up what is arguably the CIA's best win of the season thus far, at least statistically. And then last night, the Cougars go up to Albany, New York, and thoroughly dominate the Siena Saints to pick up that 10th win. We're going to talk about both of these games with our guest this week, Everett German. Everett, you know from the radio broadcasts, he was with the team throughout this road trip, so he has some great stories Uh, especially a good one about Jarrell Brantley that you'll have to listen to. But he and I talk both games. We talk about a very impressive effort, obviously, from the Cougars in Richmond, and then avoiding a trap game, avoiding resting on their laurels, and taking down Sienna on the road. So lots to get to. We also talk about two performances from the team's star duo, Jarrell Brantley and Grant Riller. We talk about the supporting cast of players that has this team looking athletic, deep, talented, all great things. And then we wrap up by previewing the final non-conference game of the schedule, which is Coastal Carolina, coming to TD Arena this Friday night. And then we preview a little bit of the CAA slate. CAA play gets going right around the turn of the new year. We're going to talk a little bit about that. That's all coming up. Here's me and Everett German. All right, Everett, you were on the road with this team for these past two games. I texted you. I said I am having a hard time controlling my hype for this squad right now. Should I temper my expectations or am I in the right here? I'm, I'm much like you, Tommy. Uh, I think we're dead on. This is something really special. Uh, this season could really be one of those ones that when we look back, um, it's one that we're going to be very proud of. You know, the, the guys got two big road wins at VCU and at Siena. And, you know, just the, the fact that we know Charleston's going to play defense. But when you add to the fact that, you know, Charleston now is almost regularly scoring in the 80s and the one-two punch of, you know, Jarrell and, and obviously Grant as well and always seem to have a third score, whether it be a Brevin Galloway or a Zepp Jasper or, you know, one game I totally expected to be uh, a Sam Miller or a Marquise Pointer, just so many options that this team has that, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be a fun season, a big season, and uh, who knows where this season could take us. I think that VCU game is obviously a huge resume builder. Uh, VCU looks like maybe the best team in the A-10 right now. Uh, they certainly did look going into that game. So let's start there. We were both in the Siegel Center, which is a rocking arena. Uh, when VCU's turning you over and, and it's getting out and running. Uh, but the Cougars really showed up. Uh, they seemed super focused. That VCU defense is as advertised. But when you talk about star power, Grant Riller and Jarrell Brantley were the two best players on the court that day. And I don't think it was even close. Yeah, not even close. You know, speaking with some of the media in Richmond and also, you know, their radio crew as well. It was just unbelievable. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I kind of have this habit of going to the opponent's message boards just to kind of, you know, get a feel and see what they think. You were on VCU Ram Nation as well. I was indeed. I love to just see what they're saying. And it's safe to say. They were talking a lot of smack. They were before the game. But once the game started, though, that tone definitely a change. (laughs) You know, 
kind of went from, you know, they, they're not going to know what hit them to, my goodness, can somebody stop these two? But um, just a, a big game. And, you know, for Zepp Jasper, who now has, you know, I think I've stolen. I don't know where I saw it originally, but I'm using it now. The Honey Badger, which he. Let's go. Exactly. He, you know, I mentioned that to him and he loves it. He goes, yeah, you know, that's my thing. I love playing defense. I love getting into guys and making them frustrated. And I've never seen a, a kid, you know, get so excited about getting a bunch of deflections and uh, getting steals and things of that nature. But that VCU atmosphere, we will not experience anything like that for the rest of this season. Um, obviously, once we get into CAA play. So to go on the road, as you just mentioned, in that environment, to survive 23 turnovers and still score uh, 83 points. Uh, I, that's saying a lot. And for Charleston to come up victorious, I was very proud of the kids uh, on Saturday. Yeah, 23 turnovers, I'm sure, took some years off Earl Grant's lifespan with that. That must have stressed him out. A few of them early on, I was okay with. When Pointer came in, he's still getting adjusted. That is a tough team to face in only your second game back from injury. You're right. And for Marquise, you know, you look at it, Tommy, I know where you were sitting. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to get up to you and, and talk to you, but I obviously waved at you. But in that second half, you know, they, they kind of teach you, if you catch the basketball, you don't want to catch the ball so deep in the corner that you're using the sideline, um, you know, and the baseline as an extra defender. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the problem is, you know, with the, the size and the length and the athleticism of VCU going up against the smaller Marquise, he couldn't really see over the trap. And so he needed to fully stop, yeah. not go as deep, let them kind of run up his back. But once he figured it out, which we knew he would, um, and had Zep bring up and then get over to Marquise. And, you know, the beauty of this Charleston team, when you have a four like Jarrell Brayton, who can handle the basketball like a point guard, once you get the ball to him in the middle of the floor, you got three on two the other way. That's always going to result in either a, a bucket and a bucket and foul. So uh, Charleston took a little while. In that late game, I know a lot of Cougar fans were a little nervous because that's not how you want to close the game out, you know, fouling guys, fouling three-point shooters and turning it over. But in the end, Charleston did enough to get the win. Yeah, they escaped that one late. Definitely some some things to be learned from how they closed out that game. But yeah, you I think you you nailed it. I think the, the early reps of Grant Riller getting some point guard play paid off in this game because then you had three ball handlers to face that press so whether it's Marquise who ends up with it Jasper or Riller all three of them could could get the ball over half court and then like you said you're, you're playing man up or you're playing with momentum I thought Charleston's defense in this one was good um, you know they didn't force 23 turnovers but they forced 16 and, and scored 22 points off of it so that's how you get up in the 80s like they did along with hitting free throws Exactly. And as we know, when you go on the road, you got to rebound you for the most part, you have to protect the basketball uh, and, and, you know, make free throws down the stretch. And that's exactly what, you know, Charleston did. But from a half court set, I thought they they played uh, magnificent against VCU. Um, it's just one of those situations where we just guard, we defend and Charleston doesn't give up a lot of, you know, um, uncontested looks. You're going to have to earn everything that you can, you know, that you're going to get. And, you know, I keep harping on it, but when you add, you know, Sam Miller and Marquise to this rotation as well, that's, you know, well, 10 more fouls that we can use and, uh, you know, keeping guys fresh and, and just that depth. So, uh, yeah, defensively, Charleston did what they needed to do to get a win. A couple big plays from that game. Marquise Pointer hitting that three 
as the shot clock was winding down after VCU made that run. That was, there were elements of the CAA championship game in that shot where maybe he struggles early on, but he just seems to come through in the clutch. And that shot was huge. That's kind of funny that you say that, Tommy, because, well, I know you didn't hear me say it because you were at the game. But, yeah, as soon as he, uh, he hit that shot, uh, that's what I said on the broadcast. Very similar to the CAA championship game where Marquise had no points leading up to that point. You know, really did a great job of just kind of running the team. He did have some turnovers, but uh, all in all, he kind of ran the team. And just out of nowhere, you know, shot clock running down. There was about five minutes left to go. I'm not mistaken in the um, you know in the ball game, and I think Jarrell was on the bench with his four fouls, so a huge shot. And you know that's the one thing that coach just says about Marquise. He's a winner. You know he'll find a way. He's the type of kid that'll go 0 for 20, but the game on the line. You know you need a last second shot, and he'll hit it. So uh, a big time shot, and you know big time players and guys with experience. That's what you expect from them, and that's what Marquise delivered. Absolutely. Yeah, so seven points off the bench for Marquise, and we already talked about Grant and Jarrell, but it's just insane. 56 combined points for those two guys. JB adds 17 rebounds, which is a career high. Riller hit 30 on just 14 shots, 10 for 14 from the field, got to the line a bunch. Not much else you can say about those two. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously JB, the reigning CAA player of the week, but obviously it could have easily gone to Grant, but he's already won it twice. And those guys, when they get in that mode, and, you know, it's one of those things where I don't know why, but these opposing teams, their bench players continue to talk trash to Grant Riller, which gets him going. Um, talking with the Sienna That seems ill-advised. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's one of those types of guys – I mean, I know you, you you see the scout on him. You, you know what he can do. So if he misses a shot or has a turnover, just don't say anything to him. <laughs> you know, if you're the opponent, because that's going to get Grant going, and that's when he's going to pull out the arrow and point it right at you and, you know, the whole nine yards. But just an explosive score. Um, you know, he's not a high volume. He's just very effective. And to shoot that type of percentage and, you know, being able to get to the rim and, and you know, put it on the floor and just – all the things that he can do as well as Jarrell, who's just, as we all know, uh, Tommy, just a, a matchup nightmare, whether it's inside, outside. He's got that now that spin move that he's added to his game. He's got the, you know, you get to the paint, then he comes back over the left shoulder and, you know, kiss off the glass. He's just really perfected his all-around offensive game. Um, and that you're looking at two guys that are probably going to, not probably, are going to make a lot of money uh, playing the game of basketball. Yeah. Anything else on the VCU game before we switch gears to uh, Sienna? I, no, not really. I mean, you just think about it. You know, I think about the other starters that we had on the, the team. Um, you know, Brevin Galloway didn't score. Uh, didn't get a lot of offensively from, uh, you know, Nick Harris. But despite all of that, Charleston's still able to, you know, get just enough. It seems like three is the number. Last year was always the big three. That being mm -hmm. Chile and Riller and Brantley. Now the, the big three is you know, Brantley, Riller, and just one other person. And whoever who, steps whoever in that there. third score, exactly. That person can get 10 to 12, 10 to 15 points every game. Charleston's going to be very, uh, very, very difficult uh, to beat uh, in conference play. So the supporting cast was kind of the story of the Sienna game for me. Brevin Galloway goes scoreless against VCU, opens up that Sienna game with eight straight points. Jasper has another nice game. A bunch of guys come off the bench, and unlike the VCU game, where I think only five or six players scored for Charleston, pretty even box score in that Sienna game. 
Yeah, that's one of those things when things are going well, things are going well, and you know you have that confidence. And when your teammates are hitting shots, then you're hitting shots, and the rim just looks bigger. And you know it was indeed just a, a team effort again last night. It was good to see, as you mentioned, Brevin get off to such a quick start after not scoring against VCU. And boy, did we need that because with Jarrell picking up the two fouls, you know, in the first three minutes of the game and not playing at all the rest of the first half. We needed somebody to help Grant uh, shoulder the load, and that's what he did uh, offensively. Then I think of, like, Jalen McManus, who had a game yeah. high uh, in terms of rebounds. Offensively, his game still not as consistent as I'm sure the coaching staff would like for it to be. But the one thing that I did see a couple of times last night, Jalen had the smaller defender on him, and instead of – Took him down low. Exactly. He took him down to the block, and they were feeding him on the post. And that's the one area that if he can really perfect that uh, mismatch and work on his you know, post game, he definitely will have a chance to help this team. But right now, you know, he's that first guy off the bench. It was good to see Sam Miller see the basketball go through the hoop and the big smile on his face. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Isaiah Moore. And I'm telling you, the guy that still is just – I kind of got that question mark is Jalen Richard. I mean, the, the block last night, Tommy. I don't know if you watched the <laughs> – The block on the exactly. big guy that led to a JV3. Did he, I, I didn't even see him coming. Just out of nowhere, you just see him sky and – and block it right to Jarrell, and that's the kid that they say really has that just crazy athleticism. And, you know, once he learns how to play more under control, because, again, he is just a, a true freshman, he's another explosive special type of player that could, you know, be one of the greats here in Charleston. So, yeah, that's the type of production that we need. Uh, Grant mentioned it in the post game last night. It was good to get a little rest uh, and not have to play as many minutes. And now that pretty soon we'll be starting the Thursday-Saturday stretch, yeah, it's definitely um, the next step for Charleston is, you know, get these commanding leads, not relent them. And then that way, you know, JB and, and Grant uh, and really all the starters can get a little bit of a breather so they don't have to play so many minutes early on in the conference schedule. Season low in minutes for Reller. He was able to, to you know, get some much needed, much deserved rest on the bench in the second half when the, when the Cougars were pulling away. I'm I'm totally with you with Jalen Richard. I think he was a little wild early on, but now he's kind of slowing down and picking his spots a little bit more. But he has those drives to the basket where he can take off however many feet from the bucket and just finger roll it in that seem very tantalizing for, for his prospects. Well, see, the thing for Jalen is he wants to, as they say, he wants to put people in body bags. Like his <laughs> thing is often during shoot around, he's like, you know, Mr. E., I feel it. Somebody, somebody's going to get in the bag tonight. And I'm like, hey, man, go ahead and take off. And, of course, somebody did get put in the body bag last night, but it was because Grant Riller, you know, put somebody in the, in the bag with the, the dunk yeah. on the big guy. Uh, I think it was Fisher. But, um, but yeah, Jalen Richard, you know, he's very explosive on the baseline. And those are the types of things that Charleston, you know, that's why Coach Grant recruited those guys here uh, to be those type of explosive players. And, I mean, you think about it easily, Tommy, Charleston's about – we're like Noah's Ark. We got about two of everything where it's not that much of a drop off that, you know, if there's a situation where Grant or Jarrell, they're having a, a bad day, there's some very capable backups that could, you know, kind of plug the gap. Um, just like last night. I mean, who would have thought if I'd said, hey, Tommy, Jarrell's going to play the first three minutes, pick up two fouls, go to the bench, not play the rest of the first half not many people would say oh charleston will have a 33 to 28 lead 
you know, at the half. And that's exactly what they did because other guys, you know, stepped their game up. So um, it was a big win last night, you know, again, 5,500 uh, in attendance. So another big crowd and just getting these kids just acclimated and ready for uh conference schedule, because, you know, when Charleston comes to town, we're going to get everybody's a game. So that's what you have to be prepared yeah. for. Um, these games against, you know, Oklahoma State and against LSU and against Memphis and against VCU, those games will help them be prepared for what's to come over the next two months. So here's a question for you. I want to get your opinion on this. I got asked, do you think the team is overly reliant on their two big stars on Riller and Brantley? I don't think we're too dependent on those guys. I mean, they they can assist the basketball. For a while there, you know, Grant, a couple games we had seven assists, nine assists. Um, but, you know, when you the, – the way that they score, um, just with the ease and the closeness to the basket, um, if it's that easy, then, of course, you're going to do it. And we've seen teams try to take Grant out of his game. The teams that did it, Oklahoma State and LSU, they were successful because they were. But in those games – Jarrell had two huge games and nobody else stepped up. Well, we're not going to see anybody the rest of the season on our schedule uh, in conference play with those types of athletes. So, yeah, there is a plan in place, but you still have to execute. And I think our guys now, based on all these games that they played in, uh, they have the confidence and the belief in themselves that they can definitely step up and make plays. And so, you know, you add Marquise back. You add Sam, you look at Isaiah, you look at Jalen Richard. Obviously, we know what we're getting with Jalen McManus. You know, Brevin Galloway, from a uh, offensive and defensive standpoint, you know, he's probably by far the most improved player. Uh, we've seen his shooting ability. And so when Grant drives to the basket, they double-team Jarrell. Okay, pick your poison, because if you're going to leave Brevin Galloway open, well, that's going to be a lot of threes. And Zepp Jasper at points at times. Um, we've seen those guys be able to knock down the wide-open threes. So, yeah, no, I don't think we were too reliant on the big two. Let's talk a little bit more about JB's game last night, because I think it deserves more attention. As you said, two early fouls. He plays only three minutes in the first half. Cougars go up five in uh, at the halftime break, and then you figure Jarrell is going to come back with some energy and you know ready ready to to get his points. I don't think you would expect eight for eight from the field, five for five from three, including four in a row that he hits, two for two from the free throw line, twenty three points overall, moves into the top ten all time in scoring. Just unbelievable, mind blowing game for him. I mean, just to just watch it live and in person, it was just, it was like he was possessed. And I think the last three that he hit, the turnaround fadeaway three from the deep right corner right, right in front of the Charleston bench, I'm like, okay, that's it. You know, when people are hitting that type of shot, you know it's their night. And just the poise that he had, and, you know, he was very upset about the silly fouls, and he'll tell you himself, there were silly fouls early on, um, which forced him to have to sit for 17 minutes. So, you know, he was definitely locked in. He was in the zone. And, you know, as he's said on a couple of his social media pages, you know, it's the farewell tour. He wants people to remember him. He wants to go down as one of the greatest Cougars, also one of the greatest CAA players. And offensively and defensively, he's doing that right now. The key for Brantley is just to make sure that he can stay on the floor as much as he possibly can. And uh, sometimes not 
maybe just be a little more technically sound and not go for those silly gambles, which results in reaching piles or things of that nature. So, but no, Jarrell last night was a uh, straight beast mode. Um, he just looked like a, a pro player and that's exactly what he's going to be um, in the future. Pretty unbelievable that Earl Grant's first signing class might have two of the 10 best players in program history and Grant Railer and Drew L. Brantley. You know, he's known as a recruiter. I mean, that's the one thing that Earl has always been able to do is recruit, not just good basketball players, Tommy, but good people. Yeah. There's not a kid on that team that I would not, if I had to have somebody to, to take my daughter someplace because I couldn't, there's not one kid on that team that I would not feel comfortable with that doing. Uh, respectful young man, uh, guys that, you know, get it done in the classroom, takes time out for kids. You know, here's how, <laughs> this is a funny story, how respectful. So we're all, you know, we took a charter flight for the whole week. So we yep. chartered from Charleston to Richmond and then Richmond to Albany and then back home. So the flight attendant on the uh, trip, the first two legs. So she flew with us from Charleston to Richmond and then Richmond to Albany. So she actually ended up staying at our hotel. So we were coming back from the movies one of the nights, and we just happened to see her down in the hotel lobby. She was just having a drink. So uh, myself and Marlene and uh, Chris Horschels went down and, you know, just talking to her. And she was like, I just got to tell you guys that y'all's players are the most respectful people that I've ever had. She says, I fly a lot of teams because, you know, their airline, that's all they do is they fly uh, basketball teams. They by far and co your coach is by far the the nicest, most respectful person. And she said, but there's one kid who is just like absolutely funny. And we're like, oh boy, which one? And so she was describing, of course she was talking about Jarrell, but she was <laughs> saying that I guess, you know, when you do your you're sitting in the emergency room, are you willing to? And Jarrell she asked him and he was like, Nah, not really. I don't feel like it today. And she she, she was like you're really being like a little shithead. And he just <laughs> laughed and she laughed. And uh, it was just like a funny story the way she told it. But she was like, you know what? Like, honestly, like Charleston is my favorite team. So nice that she, she was searching for paper. She wanted to get an autograph of all those kids to give to her nephew because I guess she lives in Dallas. Um, so that, you know, that's her new favorite team now. But that just, that just goes to show you the type of kids, the yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, thank you. And they're good basketball players as well. So, yeah, Earl's first class of uh, Brantley and Riller and Pointer, um, you know, it's just it's a solid group of kids, and, and we couldn't have asked for better representation of the college. I saw Jarrell Brantley get off the plane and do the moonwalk in the snow in Albany, and I should have known there and then that he was about to drop 23 points on 100%. I mean, like, just the biggest, like, the it's just so refreshing to be around Jarrell. You know, when we're on the bus headed over to the game, like everything's quiet, everybody's, you know, locked in, and you'll just hear Jarrell just yell, like, why y'all so quiet? It's about to go down. Or he'll just sing louder. He's just the, the one guy that keeps everybody loose and just like the, the jokester. But also at the same time, if shoot-arounds too quiet and guys aren't talking enough on defense, you know, that's when he gets on them as well. So his leadership skills of just, it's just crazy how much of a leader he is. He leads by example. Um, you know, he takes the, the underclassmen under his wing. You know, he has a nickname for everybody. It's great to see him mature over over four years. He says, yeah, just a, just an all-around great kid. But yeah, he's, he's definitely the, 
the leader of the uh, the leader of the bunch, and you know, as Jarrell says, that's what everybody does. So, uh, just a, a pleasure to be around. So, a super satisfying win over Sienna. I, I know you were probably a little bit worried about a trap game, as I was too. You know, this team took the Cougs to overtime uh, in the season opener last year. Uh, obviously, following a, a huge win at VCU, but they really take care of business. Totally dominant effort. Now they head into a game against Coastal, their last game uh, out of conference. But let's talk about conference play a little bit. How are you feeling about the CAA and the Cougars' place in it uh, as we go into the new year? Well, from what I've seen, and you're actually going to think I'm crazy, but honestly, Tommy, I really wasn't worried about the Sienna game. When you see this team's preparation and their attention to detail and the fact that they really lock in, there really is no such thing as a trap game. And, you know, I knew last year, uh, and even Jarrell here again mentioned it. Like, yeah, last year was a tough game, but they have not had to deal with me. It's going to be a whole different attitude. And just that confidence that he has in himself and the way they went to shoot around and practice, I knew that Charleston would win. I can't say I expected the dominance that they had last night, but that's the Charleston team that I think we're going to see in conference play. And, of course, um, you know, when you look at the conference right now, it's basically us and Hofstra that's kind of carrying the flag for the CAA. Um, it seems like Hofstra and I are, are, and us are playing the same non-conference schedule. So I think Hofstra is playing VCU. Uh, VCU, Sienna, yeah. eked out a victory over Sienna. Um, and I know Northeastern has a ton of injuries right now, you know, when they come back. But there's always that team. For a while, for Charleston, that team was UNC Wilmington. But it's always that team that you just, you know, you, I don't know, they just kind of get in your head. And for some reason, we just had a lot of success uh, against Northeastern. Uh, I know Delaware is having a great season from a record standpoint, but when you look at their schedule, not really sure, you know, who they've really played. And they definitely have not played a schedule um, a high caliber as Charleston's. And then you look at the Towsons and you look at the Wilmingtons and, you know, the Elons. And, you know, you just really kind of, say this is probably a down year for uh, the CAA this year. But like I said earlier, you can't take any of these teams for granted because they could be old for 20, as we've seen, I guess it was just last year. Remember Drexel struggled, didn't win a game hardly, and Charleston comes to town, they end up beating us. So, yeah. you know, I know these kids are yeah. around. They know, they, they know they've tasted success. They want that again. So they're going to have to just come out with, you know, a great effort. But, yeah, the, the conference from a non-conference standpoint, um, when you look at somebody like Wilmington, like, okay, I know Furman's ranked, what, 23rd, 4th, 5th, whatever in the country. But you can't lose at Wilmington by 40 points. I mean, at uh, Furman by 40 points. I mean, you just can't do that. This is the same Furman team that beat Western Carolina by two, you know. And, and so those types of games, you just kind of – they're head scratchers. So – um, but you know, if Charleston, that being said, based on what we've done thus far through the non-conference schedule, and if Charleston were to, you know, run the table or go 15 and one or 14 and two, whatever, um, you know, they're, they're, they're probably playing themselves for a potential at large if they can, you know, keep this up. But, um, you know, again, culture today, the most important game is the coastal Carolina game. And then after that, it'll be Wilmington and, you know, he says, you know, fear no one, but respect everyone because anybody can be beaten on any given day. Once conference play starts, everybody's record is zero and zero. Uh, it's a, a one bid league for the most part. So, yeah, you can't take anybody lightly. 
no matter what the record is in CAA play. But it is such a luxury to have two guys and, and even some more veterans who, when you need a bucket, when you need to stop, when you need to hone in, those guys can do it. Right. Yeah, but I would agree. Uh, Hofstra looks like the second best team in the conference right now. Northeastern record-wise, not so hot. But again, you mentioned the injuries, uh, and they've played a tough, tough schedule. I said this after the Orlando tournament. I think Charleston had the two best wins in conference with Memphis and Rhode Island. I think now they have the best win in conference with the VCU victory at VCU. Northeastern won against Alabama in the Charleston Classic, but I would say Charleston's got three of the four or three of the five best wins. So that should should really give them some confidence. And it reflects in the RPI. I mean, Charleston's doing a great job, and you know, and obviously the the top 100 for RPI. Uh, people now are starting to talk about Charleston nationally. Uh, Brantley and Riller are becoming household names, and you know, when you can score the way that they do, I mean, if you're Joe Mahalik, yeah, it's good to have Justin Wright Foreman who can drop you know 27, but when you shut him down, you you pretty much have shut down that Hofstra team. That's not the case with Charleston just because of all of the uh, weapons that we have. And again, Charleston was the only team to have two guys on the you know preseason uh, first team all CAA. So uh, yeah, the conference is going to be tough. Um, but the way Charleston's been playing as of late, if they can continue that attention to detail, um, that ability to focus in a, a task and keep their eye on the prize. Uh, Charleston should have uh, no problems uh, with conference play. Still one more non-conference game to go, a chance to run up that home win total. Uh, anything you're looking for in the Coastal game? I want to see a packed TD arena. They got some pretty good promotions going on. You know, if you're a first responder or military or a veteran, um, you, you can get tickets for just $5. And if you're not one of those three, just bring a new toy. And you can get a ticket for $2. I mean, that you, can, you can't beat that. I mean, go buy a $5 toy, pay $2 to get in. $7, you get to see a team that's won, you know, seven games in a row, have the nation's third longest home winning streak, and playing some exciting basketball on a Friday night. So, I mean, you know, for a family of four, 30 bucks, you can have – you know, some good, uh, some good family fun. So that's what I'm looking for and hoping that with these ticket prices, the way that they are, that we can pack TD arena and get, uh, you know, get that energy back in the building. It's getting better. No students, obviously they were gone home, but it needs to get better. You know, and I talk to coach a lot and, you know, that's the one thing that keeps bringing up is, you know, it's time to pack TD arena. And, you know, the more we win, as you know, Tommy, then the more, you know, the big boys will start looking and keep coming. And if you got to figure if Earl can get us back to the tournament again, he may be on the same path as Kevin Keats there at NC State. And, you know, one of the things could be the community support or the fan support. So every little bit helps. So, yeah, that's what I want to see, um, you know, obviously on, on Friday and, and for the basketball purpose, the kids just to come out and continue playing the way that they're doing. Um, don't try to do too much. Just know your role, um, excel in it when you get the chance to do something outside of that and uh, just come out and play Charleston basketball. If you live in the area and you can't make time on a Friday night to see one of the best, maybe the best college basketball team in the state, I know Furman's ranked, but I would say Charleston might be the best team right now with two future, you know, NBA talents then I don't know what your priorities are. 
No, that's the funny thing, you know, of course, with the bracket buster, and there was a lot of chatter on the bus and in the stands about, man, we wish we had bracket buster now because maybe we could play for them and meet them in Columbia halfway and settle this debate. And also, I don't want to forget about our friends across the water, the Citadel. They're having a great year. They got a big win over Campbell, and I think they're riding a seven-game winning streak as well. So a lot of they good are, basketball yeah. being uh, being played. I do know that uh, – the Gamecocks are playing, I think, Virginia tonight at the Colonial Life Arena, and then Clemson and Carolina play this weekend. So, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of basketball will be playing in the Palmetto State. But, yeah, I would have to think that Charleston and Furman, maybe even Citadel, Clemson, South Carolina, all uh, could probably say, yeah, we're the – well, not South Carolina, but um, we're the best team in the Palmetto State. And, but, uh, yeah, they need to come on out on Friday night and just make – actually, you can make the day of it because the women actually play at 12 o'clock um, there at TD Arena. And Candace looking to get a little winning streak going herself. So you can catch them from 12 to 2, maybe do some Christmas shopping down on King Street or get a little, you know, happy hour going and get nice and toasted to come <laughs> yell and cheer at 7 <laughs> o'clock there at TD Arena. So, uh, yeah, please come on out. And if you're already coming, bring some friends, pick up some kids in a neighborhood. Just a great opportunity for them to uh, come out and see some good Division One college basketball. Sounds like a good time. The Cougars are rolling, man. I'm really excited about this team. And Everett, thanks for hopping hey, on. Not a problem at all, Tommy. And uh, looking forward to seeing you. Towson game, which game are you coming to? I'll try to make it to the Towson okay. game. Either Towson, Delaware, Drexel, they're all within a, a short okay, time of me. Perfect. Why? Well, this time we'll definitely uh, hook up and see each other there. Let's do it. Sounds good. All right, Tommy, you take it easy, man. All right, see ya.